This house is absolutely amazing. How about that smile? <laughs> I guess screw the rest of August. It's almost time for Halloween. So Humble Bundle has got some uh, some pretty good priced Linux games out. Yeah, I'm surprised this isn't coming out in October. I know. Well, and weren't you just telling me about a sale for for a Steam game on Linux? Just like for sale, hell, the sales like free, right? Yeah, it's free until tomorrow. You can get <laughs> um, what was it called? Shadow, Shadow yeah, Warrior. Sh- Shadow Warrior. Yeah, so you have the Humble Spooky Bundle, which is available for 13 days, and then Steam's got the uh, Shadow Warrior game for free right now for Linux users. Actually, the, I think the best game on the, the Humble Bundle yeah. is actually Alien Isolation. Alien Isolation. Is that available for Linux? That yes, would be awesome. It is. Yes, it is. Alien Isolation, huh? That sounds cool. Discover the true meaning of fear in Alien Isolation. It's based on the uh, the Aliens series. Yeah, and the graphics look yeah. Looks interesting. So and supposedly, I, I saw a review. They were saying that the uh, the story mode of it is fantastic. Yeah, it is really. Oh, guys, it's pretty intense too. Might be worth the bundle right here. here I'm gonna watch a little bit of the trailer. This might be. Oh, it's a Sega game. Yep. Okay. All right. I already love it. The graphics look great. Good sci-fi I'm graphics. Simon. It's a triple A title. Oh, this looks super creepy. It's about your mother. Oh, I'm getting this. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I'm probably going to be playing that on Halloween. This is Linux Unplugged, episode 211 for August 22nd, 2017. Welcome to Linux Unplugged, your weekly Linux talk show that really wished more cars were running Linux these days. Yes, I mean it. My name is Chris. That's your cue there. Oh, hello. Yeah, hello, Beard. (laughs) Wes is out today, so normally where Wes would jump in, we're going to have the Beard jump in. Now, that worked out. I actually thought you'd be filling in for me sooner than you'd be filling in for Wes. You know, (laughs) I can just fill in for everyone and do the show alone. You probably could. That's some sort of Beard superpower. Would you cut yourself to reply to the answers, or would you just work two mics? Like, have you thought that through? I mean, I, I figured I'd just put the mics together and yeah. have this, this yeah. nice stereo warbly yeah. sound. Well, while I'm still here, I'm going to try to put together a great show for everybody today. Uh, I'm going to give you just a quick update on the uh, solar eclipse trip I went on. But uh, then then there is a rumor that uh, some solace powered, maybe maybe actually... I already don't believe it. Okay. Rumors. Right. What about what about rumors about Ubuntu Budgie Edition shipping on hardware? What about... Uh, no? Well, that's that's yeah. That sounds crazy. Yeah. Uh, Crash Plan users got screwed this week. We'll cover what Linux users can do to move off of there. There is an app based around Electron that, well, it may be a line too far even for me. Chrome OS is coming for Linux in the enterprise. There's a great way to generate your Bash files. Ubuntu is showing every other distribution how it should be done. We've got some interesting conundrums from Firefox and Plex, and then we'll wrap it all up with something. It's so amazing. It's probably going to change your life, and it's based on Unreal Engine 4. And it's essentially the Oasis. If you have a Ready Player One, prepare to have your entire life sucked away. You're welcome. We'll tell you more about that. Yes, of course, it runs on Linux. Of course it does. We'll tell you more about that, though, as this here show goes on. But Beardsley! What's up? We must go no further. We must welcome in our virtual lug. Time appropriate greetings, Mumble Room. Greetings. Hello. Hello. Pip, pip. It is nice to see some of you in there. We have a we have a lower showing today, and I, I would imagine it's probably because Wes isn't here. Yeah. And so everybody's like, screw it, I'm not showing well, up. Well, usually people, sh- people show up for the, the beers Wes brings. 
Yeah, well, and they knew he wasn't coming somehow, even maybe before we even knew. Yeah. Well, he probably messaged them first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I just got back uh, hours ago, actually, from going down and seeing the Tote Solar Eclipse 2017 of the Heart in Oregon, and uh, it was pretty great. Bumped into a listener down there who is a Linux user. Didn't bump into another listener I expected to, but I bumped into somebody that I didn't expect to, and that was great. We chat a little bit about uh, all the crazy things going on in Linux right before the solar eclipse hit, which is pretty neat. And uh, drove down there in one long, just crazy six-hour, seven-hour-ish. There was a lot of traffic getting down there. And uh, got down there, slept in the car, woke up, and then we had to take care of a few. There were some, some challenges that we faced. Uh, took care of all that, bumped into the listener, had a good chat, saw the eclipse, then hightailed it back up here so that way we could do Linux Unplugged this week. So uh, there you go. I'll give you. I'll give. I'm gonna give. I'll do the whole story on my vlog. Eventually. Yeah, I was gonna say. I think yeah. you, you can get the full yeah. story. I got. I got to edit it all together. There was some pretty good stuff going on, and of course, I managed to actually end up with a few of my own really amateur shots of the uh, eclipse. So that's pretty cool. And I had the drone up in the sky during the eclipse. And your eyes still work, it, I, as far as I know. Although sometimes I think it takes a while for it to set in. Hmm. So you never know. But having the drone up in the sky during wasn't. Uh, you know, I wasn't really watching it because I was watching the eclipse, but. Uh, it really shows you how dark it got. Oh, that's down a there. crazy progression. Yeah, yeah. That this we're showing it in the video version a, a progressive shot that was taken down from Oregon. There is, uh, it's pretty neat. It was a pretty cool event. It's 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 so it's so impressive in person to see something like that. Uh, yeah, I'm really glad I made it, and uh, I only got to say hi to a couple of people, but I'm glad that we were able to say hi. So that was. I think our next meetup will be here at the studio again. I think maybe we'll do like an end of summer barbecue soon. We're gonna do another one of those. I was thinking, too, about maybe doing a raffle. i got to look into the details around that, but maybe taking some some uh, Jupiter Broadcasting gear um, and uh, raffling it off during the next barbecue. So i got a few mm-hmm. ideas. So that'll be it. We'll have another meetup soon, and then eventually, eventually, so that way I can start prepping for the 2024 eclipse. I'll make trips over to the East Coast. <laughs> and uh, if I hold up to my promise, I'll eventually make it across the pond, too. I have one question for you, Chris. Mm. Were the crowds as crazy as you expected? Uh, yes and no. Um so uh, getting down out of Washington was a nightmare, and it was super packed, and I-5 was all screwed up. Once you went, once we jumped down the Highway 101, which runs along the Pacific Coast, the Pacific mm-hmm. Ocean Coast, really it was no big deal. And then we ha- we hightailed it out of there. Uh, but for the most part, actually just everybody was cool. Yeah. Everybody was super – like there was – there was well, a lot of people, and there was zero issue. For it's, us. All, it's all them hippies going to, to check out the eclipse. <laughs> people came from all over. Uh, behind behind us uh, were people from um, Canada, and then in front of us, parked along the side of the road because where we ended up, were uh, people from Utah. So people just came from all over to see it. It was it's pretty neat. People come all over from all over to uh, run Ubuntu Budgie too. I've been hearing more and more about Ubuntu Budgie edition. So they it's Ubuntu, but with the Budgie desktop from Solus, and they're Rumors are percolating that there could be hardware shipping very soon with Ubuntu Budgie Edition pre-installed on it. It's a rumor that's circulating around today. This is a post over at OMG Ubuntu. And uh, it's based on hints that were dropped by uh, Ubuntu Budgie's uh, social media page, which uh, hmm, I noticed that none of them are in the room for today. Some of them are often in the room, but nobody's there today from here. So uh, if you take the image that no they comment, tweeted out, no right, right. They they did two context-free images on their Twitter feed. They just posted uh, like an iMac-looking rig and a ultra-thin laptop-looking rig with the lid closed. So you take those images and you do a reverse image search, and you know what you end up with? Clevo! <laughs> yeah, you end up with Clevo, uh, which is... Um, um, 
uh, with the same uh, hardware ODM that uh, um, that uh, Entraware and System76 use, and uh, Nimbusoft and others use. And you know that the 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 thing I say with a Clevo is it's like uh, it's like it's like getting a nice midsize sedan or something. It's like when you get a when you get a mid level car, it's very reliable, like a like a Camry or like a uh, you know an Accord, which I've I've owned. Um, those are great cars. But they're not like uh, they're definitely not Tesla Teslas, and, and they're definitely not BMW i series. You know, they're not like they're, they're not crazy they're not performance, right? And they're not like you know super broken down cars either. Um, sometimes, depending on how the ODM chooses to tweak it, though, they can really put together something that's very very um, compelling. And so, if they could get the balance right, you might have something here. Now, there's two laptops that looks like uh, from Clevo that are two different rigs because one was an iMac. One's the Bologna laptop, and the other is the Neptune all-in-one. And uh, Nimbusoft, which is the company out of a company out of the UK that resells Clevos, already actually sells both of these devices with Ubuntu Mate, Kubuntu on it. So you could see them pretty a- easily adding Ubuntu Budgie for Ubuntu Budgie users who want to grab that, which could be great for people that are looking for something that's still GTK heavy uh, as uh, Canonical moves away from Unity, but they still want something with an Ubuntu base. Could be good timing. Um, I haven't heard anything from Nimbusoft in the past. I've never reviewed any of their equipment, and I'm not very familiar with the company. I've never heard anybody in the audience has ever bought from them. But they apparently are also working on their own distribution called Eloquent OS, Hmm. because apparently every hardware OEM, except for the ones like Dell and HP and Except for the ones that are shipping lots of product. Yeah, except for the one. Yeah, there's there's an OEM program, and then there's roll your own distribution. Apparently, and mm-hmm. and to hell with even bothering being a flavor anymore. Screw end users. Speaking of screwing end users, Crash Plan is doing just that and shutting down its consumer backup service. And I'm bringing this up on this show because Crash Plan is something I've mentioned as a very cost effective, unlimited or close to it backup solution for Linux users. And one of the things I loved about Crash Plan is a they actually had a client that worked on Linux, and B, they had command line integration, and C, you could ship them a disk. You could just ship them a four terabyte spinning rust to seed your backup and then just back up the updates and the differentials, which was huge for me back in the day. Um, but unfortunately, of course, anything too good eventually has to go away. Yep. Have you experimented much with online backup? You just use like Google Drive or what do, what do you, what do you, because I know you recently suffered some pretty serious data loss. Like, have you thought a lot about this? Uh, yeah, I've, I've mostly been leaning towards actually go, trying to use Tarsnap. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely one of my recommendations. Because uh, they recently just came out with uh, version 1.0 of the Tarsnap GUI, apparently. Oh, really? Which uh, makes it a lot easier, I imagine. Anybody in the uh, mumble room using Crash Plan now or using a competitor to it that they would they would give a recommendation to? I, know this I is... was using Crash Plan. Oh, really? Uh, oh, really? Yeah. But I was also I had I actually had like people who were friends and I had a couple clients that were using Crash Crash yeah. Plan, so that's going to suck. Yeah, I'm definitely in that situation. Some of my former clients are using using Crash Plan and definitely like my mom's on Crash Plan. Like I got a few family members on it too because it was so economical, which is probably why it's going away. Mhm. Like I was using it because, like, well, I was also some setups. I was using it because it was free. Yeah, most because you can do it where you can, you know, free do an FTP over SFTP over to multiple networks. I and love your that own, feature. You have your own computers, and it was like it was fantastic. But then, like, I would still pay for the one of the premiums just because you know, yeah, like you know, the, I, it was so useful. But I wasn't gonna like deploy it everywhere. But now, you know, drawing board, man. Yeah, most of the alternatives are really expensive too. 
Yeah, I, I so I've been looking. Backblaze is very competitive, but they don't and have no interest in making a Linux client, which really mm-hmm. pisses me off because it's not even a matter of uh, it's not even a matter of well, we can't be bothered to even write a command line interface, which would obviously be simple. Which there is a Python um, way to do this, but it, anyways, let me go back to the main point. They've they've been asked about it numerous times, and they're very upfront about it. You can ask them. We asked them today on Twitter. Uh, and they'll just say, yeah, it's not really in our, it's not really in our business priorities right now. Nothing against Linux, just not really our business priority, but they do have this B2 cloud storage system. And I don't, again, never, I'm not personally a customer of this, uh, although Angela does use them now after crash plan. Uh, but B2 is like a, is like a cloud storage service and there's going to be a cost associated with that. So keep this in mind, but, um, there's a tool you can use on Linux that works with B2 storage, it works with Amazon Drive, obviously S3, Dropbox, Google Cloud Storage, local disk, Microsoft OneDrive. Um, It also will just do SSH and SFTP. It'll do a Yandex disk, which is kind of neat. It's called R-Clone. And R-Clone is sort of like R-Sync, but it allows you to sync to these cloud storage services that I just mentioned, including Backblaze's B2. This might be something you could look into. Rclone might be a good way to move the data around to a new service as well. So rclone.org is where you find that. We've talked about it in the past, rsync for cloud storage. And if you want to know specifically about the Backblaze integration, it's rclone.org slash B2. Uh, uh, rclone also apparently has support for Amazon Cloud Drive. Mm-hmm. Or Google Drive. You could do that as well if, you, you know, if, you're, if you're okay with that or you want to encrypt your data. Or Dropbox if you're already paying that monster. Um, None of these Does it really have full image cloning, or is it just like incremental cloning? You know, I, it's more like uh, I think it's more file system based. So I don't think it's like doing like block images or anything uh, like that. It has uh, because it's it's more like rsync than it is like a like a block backup or something. Um, okay. And it does support like some of the same syntax as rsync too, like the like the commands to like preserve timestamps um, and like uh, the those kinds of things. Some of those same flags, like the archive flag and stuff, are the same. Um, the other oh the other thing is is uh, that I find kind of useful about it is it does support syncing one data set to multiple cloud storages, which is kind of a neat feature if you think about it. So you could you could spread out your risk. Say you have a locally encrypted set of data or something to that degree, and then you could blast a copy of it on Dropbox, Amazon S3, and Google Cloud. Now, would I really want to do that? Generally, no. However. There's something that I feel like we as a society at whole have not really wrapped our brains around, and that is the ephemeral nature of digital media, specifically our pictures. And one of the things that stands out for me as a very strong memory from childhood is going through family photo albums and seeing pictures of grandma and grandpa getting married and how young they looked and seeing pictures of my mom and dad as kids and how they kind of looked like me and these and my cousins and my, my, my uncles and my aunts. Like these are these are pretty, pretty clear memories I have of going through these old photo albums. And uh, those do not exist anymore for most people people that are shooting digitally some people print it out but for most of us they don't and then you move between computers and you move between phones and all of a sudden you don't have the video of the marriage or whatever it might be the the, you know the kid's birthday that was super important and it's just gone it's just it's just gone forever and there's there's nothing for your kids to flip through down the road or your grandparents to flip through down the road because there's no physical object to represent it and there's no solution to this problem. There's nothing that you can you can upgrade all you can update and up, upload all day long to Dropbox and Google Drive and S3, and there's 
no way your kids are going to download that or your ancestors are going to download that and look at it later on. But at least it is preserving it in a way that you could manage it and you can get access to it at some point. And so spreading that out and the fact that this supports FTP, SFTP, the local file system. So you could do an NFS mount if you wanted to or it supports multiple cloud storages and it'll do uh, hashes to make sure everything goes up there. It's everything's got good integrity. It does partial syncs if your if your upload gets canceled. So if you got to move off of um, Crash Plan, our clone could be a solution for you. There's also kind of nice for restorations, especially for basic end users. Is there's an optional fuse mount called our clone mount, and as you'd expect, that makes it kind of easy for regular people to browse through their backup, and they could just you could just have this as an icon on the side of their file manager that they click on, kicks off fuse in the background. It does a mount. And, uh, of course, you, you know, you just have to have our clone installed to do that. And you could also even use, um, uh, win FCP. And, uh, there is actually a proxy module available for windows, which uses a combination of our clone and C- CG go fuse. I can't remember. I can't remember what it's called cause I have never needed to use it, but there's actually even a way to mount our clone backups on Windows desktops, which could be great for clients or uh, people that you're setting up in an office that uh, need access to that, but you're backing it from a Linux file server. That's a situation I've been in where I've used a backup system on Linux for Linux file servers, and then guess who needs to restore the data? Some user on Windows, and uh, that has a solution for that. So links to all of that crap in the show notes. So uh, I was doing a bit of research while you were talking. Yeah. Uh, apparently, uh, duplicity and by oh, extension, right. by extension, deja dupe, since it's the front end to mm-hmm. it, uh, can directly sync or directly back up to amazon cloud drive i am so glad you brought up duplicity because that's that's a great one on top of that there is a asynchronous upload flag that uh will encrypt as it uploads Hmm. so you can encrypt your backups and not have to worry about like amazon looking into your backups there's also sort of name collision but there's also duplicati which is uh, backup software for mac windows and linux they say Mm -hmm. That uh, that does local encryption and then backs up to probably using our clone on the back end, all the same cloud services that um, our clone supports. But this gives you a big old stinking uh, web GUI for it, which makes it nice and easy for people to manage. So it might be something worth looking at, too. That's Duplicati and Duplicity. Yep. Duplicity is like a GTK-based ba- app that you run on Linux desktop. Well, no. Duplicity is the command line app. Dejadupe is oh, the okay. GTK app. Oh, right, right. Thank you. So Dejadupe is the GTK front end. Uh, dupl- Duplicati is a web-based like uh, project around our clone. That's a lot of things we just dropped at you. I know that's that's all confusing because all the names sort of collide. So here's what I'm doing right now is I'm putting links to all of this stuff in the show notes, jupiterbroadcasting.com. Go to Linux Unplug 211s. And uh, you'll see the big section on our clone there that lists all of the cloud services that it it features. Yeah, Deja Dupe has been an app yeah, pick before too. If you uh, if you want good advice for uh, data stuff in general, the Data Hoarder subreddit is a great place to go. Oh yeah, yeah, I haven't been there in forever. And also, anybody in the mumble room, if you have any other like uh, backup apps or tips, plus it has some really nice storage porn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is a great subreddit to hang out in, and like if you're ever like in the mo in the mood to like research and set up like a new NAS. Yeah, some of the most chill, informative guys on Reddit. All right, I think I got links to everything now. Duplicity, yeah. Deja Dupe. Deja Dupe is also great because it's it's really easy to use. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's it's like even like you know for basic end users that can pick it up. All right, so I think and that's it has a boom. fun name. Gotta look at that. All of that. Look at that. Live show note editing right here on the show. Proud of us. These some so those of you that are getting screwed up by Crash Plan, hopefully some of these will help out. I feel really bad about that because I've recommended Crash Plan in the past. I wonder if Deja Dupe can upload to Tarsnap. 
Yeah. Be I got to play around. If Tarsnap has a GUI, I got to play around with that yeah. too. Because that would, it, that's a slam dunk. It apparently just like hit 1.0 like huh. this past week. Huh. That's that's worth it. That That is a slam dunk, I think. Uh, also, pl- feel free to tweet us or leave a comment wherever you're watching this to let us know how you're doing your uh, offsite backups on Linux. I am more particularly interested in offsite backups. Local backups yeah. good too, but offsite's really sort of the uh, sort of the sweet spot. Um, and however you do it, let us know. Leave a comment where you watch this, or uh, go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact, or tweet me at chris las. Also got the subreddit linuxunplugged.reddit.com. Let's talk about mobile. This is uh, my mobile service provider. It's also Rekai's mobile service provider, and it's uh, Ting. Linux.ting.com. It's just a better way to do mobile. There's no contracts, no nationwide coverage. You just pay for what you use. This is so nice, especially when new phones are getting released. You don't have to sit here and try to do the crazy complicated, am I eligible for an upgrade? Is Do I have to go into a quote-unquote agreement if I do that? Like, it's just so straightforward, especially, like, with some of the leasing programs that, like, the, like the iPhone has, or if you want to go grab, like, a used phone off a of gazelle when the new phones come out for a crazy great price or ebay this is the perfect time to bring it over to ting because you can just add a sim you just go get the sim card from their store and if you go to linux.ting.com they'll give you 25 dollars to play with either to off a device or in service credits and if you get that sim card for nine bucks they'll probably just give you i think they just attribute it all in service credits that first month you bring that phone over will probably be paid for it's nice you want to see chris Sometimes they even cut the price of those Sims. Yeah, they do. Yeah, and sometimes they have By them like fifty percent. Sometimes they have them on sale on Amazon too. Yeah, um, I will say the only time I've ever had to contact Ting was to to get my unlocked phone on Ting, and it only took like five minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're. I feel like on other carriers it doesn't take nearly as. You know what? You know what will really sell you on more? Ting if you can do the whole bring your device process yeah. online through their website, and it, it's done in minutes, and you never even have to talk to. It. It's yeah. so well done. It's you start using different aspects of Ting, and it's how you just immediately realize it's how every carrier should do. It. It's how they would have to do it in the U.S. today to be competitive if the industry was starting yeah, over. The only reason I, I even needed to call them is because the other carrier screwed it up. Yeah, yeah. You can also get some great uh, like when like Rika was just mentioning when they bring things uh, uh, up on sale. You can uh, you can get uh, that kind of information on their Twitter account. They also have Ting Tips. Look at this. Look at that. They got Ting Tips on there. I didn't know they had Ting Tips. That was pretty hip Ting music too. <laughs> oh, I like that. So they got tips and stuff on their Twitter page at Ting FTW on Twitter, where you can find out about giveaways, sales, like on the SIM cards and whatnot. It's no contract, no early termination fees. You only pay for what you use. They don't They don't play that crazy OEM game where they want to flash a certain experience on your phone so they hold back updates. It's If you get a device that gets updates from Google or gets updates from Motorola, they'll just, you know, they don't get in the way. It, they just ship it. It still blows my mind to have an internet-savvy phone company. Yeah, it is really <laughs> nice. It's finally the way it should be. Linux.ting.com. And thanks to everybody who supports the show by uh, visiting that site and checking out Ting and checking out their blog and signing up. Linux.ting.com. Now, here's something you never thought Electron would be used for. And this is a line that's just even too far for me. I, I, I can't even with this, guys. A file manager built using Electron. I love it. Check it out. It's Jump FM, Jump File Manager. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, uh, it's described as a dual-pane file manager, cross-platform Qt-based, and uh, it has a terminal tool built in that lets you do certain things. In fact, it takes its key influences from the LS command, it says. <laughs> it's a keyboard-driven file manager and uh yeah as you might expect i have it loaded right here and i've been trying it out and um, i'll tell you one thing its main gimmick is pretty cool if you type the j key it brings up the jump menu jump fm is the name and it shows you all your favorite directories and you can just bam right through them super quick bam 
It also, I think, has a, a flat file mode where it will show you all the files in the directory you're in as well as really? all the subdirectories. Okay, let's see here. So it's got a whole series of plugins too. Um, oh, the configuration's done through a, through a series of text files and whatnot, though. That's kind of a turnoff. Well, it's early. Yeah, it is early. It is early. So I thought let's. Uh, so I've been running this and uh, Nautilus uh, all day. Been browsing files in both of them. So I thought we'd just check in and do a little memory usage. So how much does a an Electron file manager take? Now I'm not normally this guy. I just had a whole soapbox on last week's Quota Radio about how I think Linux users are too hard on Electron apps. And uh, but I, I got to do this. I we we have to go here. So sorting by memory usage. The only thing on my system that's taking more memory is definitely Chrome. Chrome's taking a lot more memory. Jeez, look at Chrome. That is that is really <laughs> something. Well, it's isolating every process. So Jump FM, if you look at just Ish. the if yeah, if you look at just the Jump FM main process, and it has a couple of processes, but if you look at just the main process right now, this is really remarkable actually. This is not the results I had earlier. Jump FM is currently consuming 27.9 megabytes of RAM. Hmm. And Nautilus is currently consuming 23.4. So Nautilus is only a few megabytes lower. Twenty three megabytes for Nautilus, twenty seven megabytes. So if, if for you Jump go FM. Uh, back into Jump FM, Chris, mm-hmm. and you pick a folder and you hit R, it'll do the flat mode. Oh, okay. One more thing on the memory usage, though. So Jump FM's main main thread twenty seven point nine meg, so essentially twenty eight megabytes. But then there's also um, an app image thread that gets launched when I mount it via app image mm-hmm. that takes up five megabytes of RAM. There's also a <laughs> A dedicated thread for the GPU with no sandbox mode turned on, um, dual GPU turned off, and driver bug workarounds dis- enabled, and uh, certain GL extensions disabled. That thread is taking an astonishing 62 megabytes of RAM, taking more RAM than the main file manager thread. And then there is a tertiary thread besides the main thread that is taking 5.8 megabytes of RAM that is just uh, apparently some sort of like no sandbox thing. Anyways... So that is quite a bit of memory usage. But if I go into flat mode here, that's, that is kind of great, actually. Yeah, it shows you all the files in the directory you're in and all the subdirectories. Wow, that's a lot of files. It's <laughs> a lot of crash files. And it's really quick, too. It is quick. I'll give it that. It is quick. Once it's loaded, it's, it, it, like all Electron apps, it, it loads a little awkwardly for a moment. But then once it's loaded, it is very quick. And then it's got other crazy stuff like uh, filtering, where you can hit F and just type in part of a file name, and it'll find the file for you. All right. So let's do jump. Oh, how's if I spell it right? Jump. Hmm. I don't know. Might be searching the directory you're in. I, I just, I feel like this is a line too far for me, dude. And I, what, where do we stop building Electron apps at? And for coders, if you hit Control G on a file, it'll instantly make a gist. Huh. Okay. So here was my thought on this is there is some value to just maybe Control G. That's pretty great, actually. That is, it's creating a gist right now. That's pretty great. Um, there is some. I guess if I'm if I am stuck on Mac, Windows, and Linux, yeah, there's my gist. Of course, I I did it out of an image file, so of course it's ass, but it did it. <laughs> it did it. If I'm stuck on Mac or Windows, but my main OS is Linux, maybe then I would want to have a file manager that's cross-platform like this. But come on, be real with me, dude. Are you? Would you ever use this? Yeah, why not? Well, Explorer sucks. Maybe that's why you. Nautilus sucks too. Yeah, but not as bad as, I mean, like, I, I don't know. Like, just look at them side by side. So here is Jump FM. And uh, here, let me bring up Nautilus. If Nautilus looks I, Nautilus looks so much better. I disagree. I hate how Nautilus looks. 
this doesn't this looks like a flash application on my desktop it looks like it's weird like it like it doesn't it, it doesn't follow my desktop convention at all yeah but that's just a, a problem with the implementation of the app you can make electron apps follow your desktop man i don't know to me it seems like nautilus is way better looking it does it also doesn't help that you're uh running a cute app in a gdk environment yeah have you well, tried? I mean, I'm, I'm, I just tried uh, jump inside of Plasma, and it's um, it looks like crap. Yeah. yeah. So, what are your what are your impressions? I mean, it lo- it looks uh, interesting as far as like the speed of its like searching thing. The the find tool is not that useful, it seems so far. The flat thing is cool, uh, although it's not as uh, as effective as you would assume because it. it it flattens some of the stuff and shows you some files, but it also skips other files. Like, if I just flatten this, it should be showing me like files that are in the main folder, but it's skipping that and showing other folders. So that's weird. Hmm. Hmm. But overall, I mean, it's 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 interesting. Although two hundred megs total of, on my system is not, you know, it's not acceptable I am, for I'm, a file manager. I am I am so tired of the the whole memory usage. But two hundred megs for a file manager, like. We're in a world where 32 gigabyte PCs are common, but but it's 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 32 gigabytes for a file manager that is not even that good. Like I I just flat like I'm looking at my folder. Well, no, right I'm, now. I'm just at this point I'm just talking about the whole memory usage argument in general, not specifically for this app. Okay. Um, I agree with the the argument in general. Like there are some electron apps that manage it very well. And even do hibernation in certain cases and stuff. So those are fine. It's just the ones that recognize that Electron needs to be managed. I'm okay with those. Things like this where the features it's offering are not even implemented very well. Like if you go to the flat mode, it looks cool. But well, yeah, but I have stuff in the home folder. I'm in the home folder just to see what happens. If it like follows, finds every file. It, it finds like random files in some folders and it skips the rest. I feel like so, if we if we crapped on every project that didn't work on its on one of its earlier releases, then we'd have a lot less projects. I guess where I go with this, my where I go with it is, um, is there a line? Is there a line where you say these things should be native applications on a platform? Like like for a house, like you have to have a foundation for your house. You could build the house materials out of anything, but the the house has to be a solid foundation. Yeah, I mean like. I, I don't think that native really matters anymore. Like, look at Discord. It's not native. You got to have something to launch the web browser. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something's got I mean, na- native is not that necessary, sure. And Discord is a good example. But it is still important. And especially in a file manager, native is important. And just because it's going to be faster. Because, like, this is fast, but it's also incredibly inaccurate. Like if you yeah. look, if you do the flat system, it shows you these files, and it's cool, but it's skipping files that are well, in the current file folder I'm in and going to other folders. It's like it's not reliable in any way whatsoever. It, for me, it's not fast enough to be honest. I mean, it's fast once it's running, but it does that thing with that some Electron apps do, where the frame of the application comes up, and then that the inside of the application flashes white, and then the UI yeah. elements render in, sort of like how a web page loads actually. Mm-hmm. And um, I. 
when I want to just open up my file manager super quick, like I've already had to do the mental gymnastics of, is this something I do on the terminal with LS or is this something I bother firing at my file manager? So I've already made that decision tree, which already takes time. And then I go through that decision tree and I end up at this app that's taking me, I don't know, noticeably longer than my native app to load. The thing is, you guys are making arguments for problems that can be solved by better code. Did Would you... uh... Yeah, I suppose like they could do a they could do a TSR in the background and leave it always running to launch faster. I suppose. Well, no, you can just optimize the code so it launches quicker. I don't really know any any Electron app that launches as quick as a native application. Once it's up and running, I agree, you can have it be pretty pretty competitive. But launch time seems yeah, partic- take a while. seems particularly important for a file manager, like your terminal too. Like that also seems like something you want to launch really fast. I'm, I'm playing around. Discord with takes forever and just has little splash messages like these weird, like the rabbits are loading or something. Well, that's not a bad way to go. Like a splash message isn't a bad way to go. Yeah, At least then you know I, it's working. I think Discord takes long because it's loading all the messages from the server and stuff. Yeah, and it's checking for updates and every time too. There's, I, I, I would say that this this jump FM is is interesting, but it doesn't do what it claims to do. Like if it didn't claim these things and say these things were good, that's one thing. But it's claiming like the flat system doesn't work. The the searching isn't useful. It's not finding any things I'm searching. I'm like searching for files that I know are in like mm. one folder, so like lower, and it's not finding that at all. Have you so have you like, turned on mm. the uh, syntax highlighting, the quote unquote, where it, where it like does different uh, color coding for different file types? No, I think that's useful. That's that's actually kind of nice mm-hmm. when you're working on like a, especially when you're working on like a website and they're like they have a screenshot here and you've got. You've got. I uh, need to skim to the greens. Yeah, you got your index.html, which is always green. Your JSON files are always red. Your CSS is always gray. Um, it's interesting, but yeah, if it doesn't do the rest of the stuff, yeah. what's the point? Yeah, like there's stuff yeah. in there I like. Actually, I think their jump menu is pretty great. I would like every freaking file manager to do this jump menu thing. Yeah, I'm not saying the app is great as it is. I'm saying it has potential. Yeah, I agree with you. The, um, the jump menu is pretty cool. Uh, yeah, like the uh, it be, reminds me of Sublime Text. Yeah, exactly. It's just yeah. like the Sublime or or, or GNOME do essentially or uh, whatever. But the other thing is is like being able to upload a gist and. Files that are displayed depending on their Git status. Now, these the jumping the jump menu and the Git integration is really shit that every important Linux file manager should be shipping already. If you think about it, because we keep talking about on this show and other shows, and and obviously Dell and other companies, System seventy six keep talking about focusing on users that are creating software. People like like uh, like the Sputnik program, for example, is going really after the web developer sysadmin market that is using Linux on production and li- using Linux on the Sputnik laptops. And that and that focus, they have seen a hundred percent year over year growth by focusing on that niche within a niche of Linux users. They realized they had to hyper focus at a certain niche of Linux users, which is incredible if you think about it, because Linux is already such a niche. And these users, these are kind, these are kinds of features that they want. And I feel like our uh, this is just a short short rant but i feel like our projects like gnome are so focused on bringing in the new user that it takes a damn memory eating monster to come along and actually ship something that's new and innovative we haven't had anything interesting happen in our file managers in years in fact on the gnome side features have literally just gotten removed year after year some have finally been re-added recently and this kind of stuff meanwhile has just been sitting out there this should be this should be this gnome file should have been shipping this a year ago dolphin should be doing this already like this needs to already be happening and this is kind of sad you have to go get it well, from I mean, an electron app 
Dolphin does have, other than the syntax thing, uh, Dolphin has everything else, like the Git inter- integration and stuff. Well, I was specifically talking about Git and jump integrate and the jump thing. So if it's got that, then I, re- I take it back for Dolphin because that's, that's the thing I really think. The jump, the jump menu, does Dolphin do that? I don't think so, no. So that would be great. The Git, the Git stuff is good, too. That's awesome. So i got to play with that. Dolphin just feels terrible to well, use. I mean, is it like the services KIO slave stuff, or is it like legit, uh, like... Because the thing about this is you can actually like sort the files in your file browser based on their Git status. That's like that's a whole other level. I, I think it's I think it's Kia stuff. Yeah, you know, even having something's nice though. And then of course it's got plugins and filtering and stuff like that. So yeah, and the, I, the, there are filterings. There's there's the filter in the search bar and stuff like that that right, does yeah. something, but it's not like you know automatically loading stuff like the jump thing is doing. The jump thing I think is particularly great. I think the Git stuff's particularly great. The plugin stuff, I don't really know if I need that in my file manager. Filtering stuff, yeah, you can you can basically do that. I don't know, Chris. You got you got plenty of plugins in Git. <laughs> you know, you know, if it let Google finally release a Google Drive client for Linux, maybe then it would be worth it. <laughs> well, yeah. I think you Google need, Drive uh, support for Dolphin. You know, <laughs> it, it'd probably be pretty easy to implement in Jump FM. Yeah, oh gosh, yeah, probably. <laughs> nice uh, web extension. Yeah, really. Yeah, no kidding. Anyways, it is in, it's an interesting thing to play around with if you want to play, A, with an app image, because that's what it is, and B, with a file manager that's actually trying to do something different for the first time in a few years. So you could check that out. I, I definitely like the thought of being able to just take all of my apps with me on whatever platform I'm on. Yeah, I completely, I completely agree. In fact, it's one of the things that I've said for a long time is a great way to convert people to Linux. Just and have a completely portable workflow. You people, put people on LibreOffice, Firefox, and now Jump FM. And uh, they're ready to go. You put them on Windows and let them run that for six months and move over to Linux, use the same apps. Yeah. Nothing changes. Uh, and it's legitimately a, the smoothest way to move people over to Linux. But they're not going to need to anymore. That's going to come to an end because Google is launching Chrome Enterprise, subscription service for Chrome OS, essentially signaling to the entire world that, uh, okay, we're ready for Chrome OS to take over in the enterprise. They've experimented with this a little bit, actually, in the past with Chromebook, Chromebooks for Work was the program. But this is a totally different beast. First of all, it's $50 per device per year, which for a business is just an unbelievably low price. They could have charged legitimately 50 bucks per month and businesses would have paid this. Chrome OS as a service. Yeah. And uh, with that, uh, you get a number of nice capabilities. Um, They have a little chart here. Holy crap. Can I zoom in on this? Because this is quite the chart. So uh, additional things that you get. Uh, uh, above and beyond stock Chrome OS with Chrome Enterprise. And this isn't the browser. This is the OS. They just call it Chrome Enterprise. They dropped the OS for whatever reason. You get uh, you get managed Google Play beta support for the apps that can be installed on Chrome OS. You can manage the uh, browser better that's on Chrome OS. You get full-fledged remote printer management support. But this is the big one that they're really marketing right here. Full-fledged Microsoft Active Directory integration. Including single sign-on with their Google accounts and everything, all authenticated via Active Directory. You also get uh, kiosk mode and public mode that automatically delete. You get uh, managed network and proxies that you can remote push to the devices, which I thought you could do with regular Chrome, but they say Chrome Enterprise. You get theft prevention, wherever the hell that is. And of course, of course, 24-7 Enterprise support for $50 a year per device. All at a much cheaper price than Windows licenses. Much, 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 much cheaper. And uh, the hardware is cheaper. It's more interchangeable. There's this thing that has happened many times, and I bet a lot of you that are in IT know this story. There is a thing about like the very high levels of a company. Every now and then, you get one of these employees, man or a woman, 
who are high enough in the company where what they do is so damn important that any disruption is immediately addressed, even if it means they go through computers at least once a year. I had this client... Yeah, every six months. It was his computer. It was, we finally got to the point, I think I talked about this in one of our shows, where we just built this monster maniac system when SSDs were still really expensive and Xeon processors and just put them in a, put, put Xeon processors, put this thing in a RAID, started doing image snapshot backups every single night, just went all out. And, and he, he burned through that system. He just burned through that system. You know, <laughs> the thing for him was, you know, in a day, he's, he's, deal, he's, he's working with five, $6 million deals a day, yeah. maybe more. So uh, a $7,000 monster machine was no big deal to him. Yeah. And there were other employees who, who would just sort of get some of his hand-me-downs that would still work. He was all sort of filtered down. But these things, these things are so cheap to replace that your employees can destroy them. They can lose them. You can wipe them. You can... It's just it's such a it's such a enticing business proposition, especially when you look at their other cloud services that this ties in with. Because when you start integrating Microsoft Active Directory with single sign-on to the Google Cloud services, you get the Google App Suite with this thing. You get Chrome OS. You get cloud storage. You can authenticate and manage the permissions via Active Directory. This is that final piece that clicks Chrome OS into this really ideal position for businesses. And then, for some really stupid reason, they're only charging $50 a year. <laughs> like, I'm saying that people would pay $50 a month for this. Yeah. It's well, just, that's a good way to lock them in for all the other services. Uh, you'll also be able to have a managed enterprise app store for just your users. It's something that's in beta right now, but... Um, it's it's going to use Chrome OS's new ability to run Android apps, and you'll be able to give them like a branded Play Store page that's the only section of the Play Store they can access that has like all of your company apps on it. Hmm. That is Google is working their ass off to compete with Microsoft. This is this is, I mean, I I sort of I sort of set this up as Linux is a little screwed. Like you know, all these companies that are running Linux are yeah. just going to go with this instead, maybe, but. I don't really think that's the case. I think people that are going to run Linux on the desktop need a more powerful operating system to begin with. Yeah. But who this really is going to screw over is Microsoft. This is because this is not only eating away at their OEM's hardware sales, it's eating away at the whole office lock-in thing because this also comes with all these great Google Cloud services. Hmm. They're going for it, dude. Google's going for it. They're really going for it with this. And <clears throat> good on them, I suppose. Good on them. And it does seem like a typical uh, Google thing. You just have this product that sits there and it's a sleeper for like half a decade or more, and then all of a sudden, that it sounds... just clicks into place. Yeah, I suppose that sounds like how like Microsoft used to do things. Yeah. Google more and more to me feels like the new Microsoft. That's that that was a Microsoft move for a long time, <laughs> and this whole ecosystem lock-in strategy is a Microsoft one. Google's just doing it with cloud services. Microsoft did it with file formats. It's, it's it's just all it's the '90s all over again, everybody. Hey, speaking of the '90s, let's uh, let's make your bash prompt even cooler. So your bash RC is a handy little place you can go <laughs> to uh, make your prompt look like badass and stuff, like from the movies and whatnot. And so this this is uh, I, I forgot who passed this along to me, so apologies. But this is easyprompt.net, and I, I think it came from our Discord. Yeah, yeah, I think it was like in the content channel in our Discord. So uh, thank you to whoever did this because this is so fun. 
uh, it lets you pick the elements that you want to show up in your prompt. So say you want like maybe like your host name to be in your command prompt, your shell version, the current directory you're in, or the whole path actually is actually my favorite one, uh, the shell release, or date and time information. Isn't that cool? You, what, you, what you get here is a web page, and you pick these blocks that you want. So you have your basic elements. So I, I, I like to put in username. I also like to put in the uh, current path of the directory. And uh, why not also have some status elements in there? You could have things like git status, or, or you could have time. You could have time or extra characters in there. You could Maybe you like to have like a few extra ASCII characters in there to make it look badass. I totally understand. I totally understand. So it, what's great about this <clears throat> is as you click these different things, you can move them around in this web interface, and it gives you a real-time preview output of what your prompt is going to look like. And then in a fourth box, just four boxes, in the fourth box... It gives you the the uh, the code that you copy pasta into your bash rc file to make your command prompt look like that. How cool is that? <laughs> so this is and I'm I was messing around with this. I was just deleting stuff and adding new stuff and you know making like putting like uh, putting like a host or the full DNS name in there, all that kind of stuff. Shell version. It's really neat. And you can add spaces in there if you want to look right, and uh, you can mess with uh, all that kind of stuff. So it's. Uh, it was Code Chris on Discord. Thank you, Coder WW. Coder yeah. Chris. Coder Chris. Thank you, WW. Thank you to Coder Chris. And thank you to WW for pointing it out. So it's easyprompt.net if you want to play around with that and make your RC all cool. If you want something a bit more advanced, more crazy, yeah. there's uh, something called Powerline Shell. Oh, yeah. That oh, yeah. really intense. We've got to have talked about that, right? Maybe. But it's really damn awesome. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, in fact, I think it's installed by default in Solus. Really? Yeah, yeah, because, you know, Ike knows what's up. I don't know if it's turned on by default, but I think it, I think I know it's in there. Yeah, so PowerShell gives you... Uh, so if you've ever seen screenshots of uh, people's computers that have the uh, terminal up and then they have in the terminal on the command prompt, they have the directory path and, like, these cool, almost capsule-looking... Uh, how mm-hmm. would you describe that? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like graphical representation in your command line yeah it's it's neat it's neat looking and it's that's amongst other things that it does um you can you can yeah that's really cool powerline shell is also a cool way to make your turn look at yeah. it just all of a sudden um, we turned into like a cool things to hack the terminal <laughs> yeah uh i actually had it on my mind because uh somebody i know from irc just rewrote it and go <laughs> And it's actually way, way faster. Oh, man. What? Powerline shell? Yeah. Is it available for Linux and Go? Yeah. Where do I... Yeah. So it's navigation trees, what some people in the chat room call it. Uh-huh. Status status bar. Uh, you know, uh, if that's available for Linux, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. It's uh, github.com slash justgen slash powerline dash go. Powerline dash go. <laughs> of course. Of course. There's... You know what? No. Uh, okay. Now, wake me. You know what? I'm going to wait. You know why? Because just wake me up when the rust port comes. That's when I'll... <laughs> <laughs> DigitalOcean.com. Go over to DigitalOcean.com, create an account, and use our promo code of absolute power and performance. That's D-O unplugged. You create your account, then you apply D-O unplugged, one word, and you get a $10 credit. Now, keep that in mind, because DigitalOcean's pricing is amazing. I love their $0.03 cents an hour machine. It's very fast. It's a great way to try out a project, mess around with something, and then totally economical to leave in production. You can get started in less than 55 seconds. You'll be logged in and ready to go. They got SSDs for all the different types of systems you might want, from the really high-end CPU systems and the rigs with lots of memory, all the way down to the $5 a month systems. They're all SSD. And they... Hypervisors have super fast 40 gigabit connections coming in. Of course, they run Linux and KVM for the virtualizer. And then DigitalOcean has built an API 
that is really nice, super smooth and simple. We work with it all the time. In fact, I think they're all, I think all of their tools use it as well. And because of that, there's lots of open source projects available using it. You can just install them on your phone or your Linux desktop. There's some that work right in your tray that you can manage your droplets. They have a block storage to make it quick and easy to attach lots of more storage, up to 16 terabytes to a droplet. Pre-built open source apps you can monitor and or you can deploy really quick and monitoring. I do like that monitoring too. We use it mostly on and off. See, the thing about the monitoring that's really nice is how do you know how powerful of a droplet do you need? How do you know? So it's, you monitor it. Yeah, you monitor it. It's, and it's easy to expand. So go with the $5 a month and see if it works for your workload. If you want, a lot of people like to use, use it for something like a WordPress site or an or a email server. I don't recommend running your own email server, but you definitely can. Yeah, and I, you don't need more than the $5 a month droplet to do that. I've but, expanded uh, a couple of droplets. You, all you have to do is basically just uh, go into where it asks you how you want to expand it. You change the things, and then you just reboot yeah. it, and it's got a new stuff. So just try it that way. So, you know, whatever you're doing, like a Nextcloud system, that's this is a great example of that. You know, I've, I've done this very with my Nextcloud instance because it, we uploaded a bunch of pictures. It grew. I'm like, ah, I think I want to keep that stuff on there, so I'll just add more storage. And it's so economical. It's seamless, too. Like, you don't have to go and, like, edit config yeah. files. No, I know. It's no, no. It's DigitalOcean, dude. DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean.com. Just use our promo code DOUnplugged. DOUnplugged. It's one word. You apply it to your account after you sign up. DigitalOcean.com. So, uh, this week, I got some things to say about Ubuntu. And, uh, we have uh, we have sort of like a low summer turnout. I think as the as summer wraps up, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be glad in some ways because I think we'll have more people show up in the in the mumble room. Either that or everybody wants us to switch to Discord. That could be the subliminal message they're giving us by not showing up in Mumble. Maybe they're saying <laughs> switch over to Discord, guys, because if they wanted us to stay on Mumble, they'd surely be here. So hmm, something to think about. But uh, in the meantime, this is actually to my advantage. Because neither Popey nor Wimpy have joined us for today's episode. And I have, talks <laughs> I have some things to say about Ubuntu. Now, I don't run Ubuntu. Um, I'm running Solus on this machine. I do. I mean, I do run Ubuntu uh, on some of our systems here at JB, but none of my personal daily use systems. The mumble room. Yep, I know that one does, but none of my personal daily use systems yeah. run Ubuntu. So uh, I don't have really much of a horse in this race. So just full disclosure, like this doesn't really impact me, but um, I was going to save this. I was going to save this to talk about it with Noah on user error so that way he could back me up. So it wouldn't just be me saying this because it's just going to sound like crazy Chris. But uh, I think what we are seeing with Ubuntu 17.10 is what happens when an adult makes a Linux distribution. And I don't mean to be demeaning to all the other projects out there, but Canonical is doing things with 17.10 that I simply can't understand why it's taken, frankly, it's taken until they've come along and made a GNOME version for any of this shit to happen. It's, it's, sort of, it's, sort of, it's sort of opening my eyes to how this could be done better by all the other Linux distributions. So there's several different avenues I could take. I could talk about the thousands of fixes they've now submitted to fix Bluetooth upstream. I could talk about that for a moment. Mm-hmm. I could talk about the fact that they're finally the only distribution that's actually taking on hardware-accelerated video playback and testing it and applying patches and getting it to work from the web browser down to the video on your screen. Everybody has claimed they have it, but no one actually got it working until Canonical came along and put the effort. I could talk about, I could talk about that all day. But today, 
we're going to talk about the new doc. Because this simple, simple thing that they are doing perfectly illustrates what I'm talking about. And I guess maybe for context, I'll give you one more example of something they've done recently that needs a lot more discussion and no one's talking about it. Canonical is doing something very unique with the way that they are implementing their GNOME desktop in Ubuntu 17.10. They are shipping it as a session option, just like the way that upstream GNOME ships GNOME Classic. You choose GNOME Classic, and it's like you're in a different version of GNOME Shell. But you're not in a fork of GNOME Shell. You're not in something that conflicts with your totally tricked-out version of GNOME Shell. You're just in a different GNOME Shell environment. GNOME Shell has been specifically architected to support this. This was a design intention of GNOME Shell. But every distribution out there, from Fedora to Anagros, just cocks up your main GNOME installation Mm -hmm. with their extensions that conflict with extensions from the actual publisher. They'll just install GNOME, GNOME, they'll just install favorites, the favorites doc and just say, ah, screw it. Doesn't matter if it has the same extension ID as the one upstream. And then you consistently run into issues when you update your system. They couldn't have just implemented it in its own session. No, they didn't do any of that stuff. With 17.10, if you don't like the way Canonical ships GNOME, you log out, you choose the default option, and you've got stock GNOME. None of their extensions are installed. Their new custom dock we're about to talk about doesn't pop up. It's just GNOME. And it's been built to support this, and yet it took this company to do it. The GNOME developers tried to show the way with the classic session, session is to show you how it could be done, but nobody did it. Everybody just had for some reason, had to just modify the default GNOME session. But when we see them now doing something as simple as modifying a doc, you really see the the care that's being taken in their approach with 17.10 and the sustainability that they're building into this distribution now. And anybody who said that Canonical isn't focused on the desktop, you got to reevaluate the facts because this is, this is a great example. So they're going to launch a doc that's their own doc, by default, in Ubuntu 17.10. It is a light fork of sort of the most famous and well-known doc for GNOME, Dash to Doc. And they've basically made a few tweaks to it. But it's how they've gone about all of this that really matters. I'm looking at you, Mint Project, with all of your different frickin' forks. So Except. how? Yeah, so how did Canonical do this? And why didn't they just ship Dash to Doc? This is... This is I guess you could call it a light fork. It's it's a fork done right. And uh, I think it's really it's really a sustainable approach. So first of all, let's cover some of the, the basics here. Why would they want it? Why would they want to have their own dock? Why not just use, if it's so popular, why not just use Dash to Dock? Why even bother? Why waste the time? Why have to invent their own thing? Well, first of all, this extension is installed by default on Ubuntu, just like I was talking about how Antigross does it. It means it comes from a package. It comes from a deb, from the main Ubuntu archive. So they, they've got to package it because it's, that's how it's getting installed. So now they're immediately, instantly, without ever even shipping an ISO, they're in this problem where Upstream is shipping their own version and publishing on the GNOME extension site, and their version is different. It's immediately an issue because that is a very popular extension that's under active development. If... Canonical's extension kept the same GNOME shell extension ID that Dash to Doc had, it would mean that users couldn't swap them out. 
you would either have to use the Ubuntu one or uninstall your dock, which would probably uninstall a whole bunch of other dependencies, and then try to get Dash to dock installed. So they've done this for one, one reason they've done this is so they have their own extension ID, so you don't have this conflict. But what's so badass about their implementation is the settings you tweak are, are, are they're just, they're just, they're just, they're schema overrides. So you can actually share settings between the upstream dock and the Ubuntu dock. If you install the upstream dock, the Ubuntu dock automatically gets disabled. If you uninstall Dash to dock, the Ubuntu dock automatically comes back on. Exactly the kind of behavior you would expect. They tweaked a few other small things about Dash to dock, like they automatically made it uh, top to bottom vertical, just like the Unity launcher is, so it, it looks like Unity. They tweaked a few things to make it look a little more like Unity, so that way it's sort of an easier, smoother transition for existing users. But here's, here's a great thing, too, is they worked with the developers... They're all on board. They agreed this is a great way to do it. And they've been submitting patches upstream, which they are already applying to their code mm-hmm. base. Um, in fact, uh, if, if, I recall, if I recall, you can actually find Canonical. Yeah. So, it's, it's so a- they have done a, they've done an upstream branch that has all of their own modifications. Um, and they're going to regularly rebase on top of the upstream dash to dock to keep everything basically cozy. Yeah, so it's, it's a fork that's different but compatible it's an upstream fork they're working with the developer and it what i love about it which i think is so awesome is the settings are like you you, like you can invest in one dock and then switch out and you don't lose all of your special settings Mm -hmm. um and they say also the probably most important unvisible the thing that you can't really see is the the fact they use a different extension id because that makes it possible to swap between them you can stay up to date on each of them without having to worry about it you don't have to uninstall one to get the other one like you have to do on anagross it's like ubuntu went to them and said well we like what you're doing here but our vision is slightly different but we want to maintain compatibility so how can we do this so that our stuff will work with yours, even if we're doing something a bit different. And then the last piece that I really think is classy, that I think all the other forkers out there should try to integrate, is it's it's using two things that make it really respectful to switching back to upstream. If you install and enable Dash to Dock, you don't have to have it enabled. But if you turn when you do turn it on, even if Ubuntu Dock is still turned on, mm-hmm. it politely just vanishes and goes away, mm-hmm. and just lets Dash to Dock take over. And then if you change any settings in Dash to Dock. Like anything that would modify DCOMF or G settings, mm-hmm. those modifications will be reflected in both. That's super smooth. And then you turn off Dash to Dock, and the Ubuntu Dock comes right back. And that sort of classy sharing of settings, using schema overrides, and then and then gracefully bowing out when the upstream version comes online, I think is is nailing it. It's nailing it. I think my only question would be: Is there an option to actually disable that sharing? Because I can see hmm. a use case where some people might not want to share between the two. Probably. I'm looking at it right now. It looks like you can turn off the uh, the override mechanism. So there is a way to turn that off, but I, I, obviously, I haven't tried it yet, obviously, yeah, yeah. so I don't know. Uh, and they talk in this blog post. This is a, this is a, a Ubuntu Dome Shell in Artful Day 5. It's sort of, I've been following these series, and uh, you know, it makes so much sense when you're, ta- when you're thinking about moving users over and how to do this right. And you look at it in the totality. You look at the upstream fixes to Bluetooth. Why is no a thousand things they found mm-hmm. in, in this development cycle for this one version of their distro? Wh- what's going on? Why has nobody else done that? This video acceleration stuff, the GNOME session stuff, and now the way they're handling this upstream fork. Uh, I mean, this is this is a this isn't even the LTS release yet. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, they're doing all the the heavy lifting now, so the LDS will be nice and stable, I guess. It seems very like a very sustainable approach. Yeah. Because by encapsulating everything in their own GNOME session, they don't have to worry about breaking or, or con- conflicting stuff if people want to install different extensions or don't like their configuration but still want an Ubuntu base. By by modifying this dock to to sort of bridge the move over from Unity 7, which is the most visible aspect of Unity 7. And it's legitimately the thing that when I sit people down in front of Unity 7, they click with immediately is that sidebar. And, and to do it like this, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, gonna, I'm definitely looking forward to trying out 17.10. I am, I am very excited about this release. I, I got to say, it's maybe the most excited I've been in eight years of, of releases. I mean, I got to go back quite a way to get this excited about an Ubuntu release again. And it's all going upstream. I think, I think it's always been something that I respect about Ubuntu is that rather than look at what is the quickest way to do this, they say what is the best way to do this. Except now it's being applied to other upstream projects instead of them rolling their own stuff. You know what I what I was surprised by was how popular the uh, the 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 survey was for docs because I was just saying last week I'm like I'm kind of over docs I'm just sort of mm-hmm. done with them but um it you look at all of the results and they're right they link to it that people people want docs people want to use a doc uh, I I've I don't know I, for me it's it's you put it put a bar down at the bottom of the screen put the clock in there put the tray icons in there and call it good I mean aren't aren't the bars just really docs without animations. I suppose, like one of the things I like about the Budgie desktop is I can now put this bar on my side screen, and it is, mm-hmm. you know, if you, I suppose, if you've got you've got extra you've got extra sides room on these, you know, sixteen by nine screens yeah. than you do on the bottom, so there's that reason for it. But, uh, anyways, good post, lots of other stuff in there. Link in the show notes. But I want to talk about one more thing before we get to something that uh, is going to ruin the life of any Star Trek fan. <laughs> There is a proposal by uh, your good friends over at Mozilla about turning on data collection in the Fox. Now, I want to be clear about this. This isn't this isn't like a creepy data collection, and they are starting very gracefully. They they fully admit that they really don't have enough u- data on their users right now. They need more data about the types of sites they go to, the type of browsing they do. Um, are they using Flash? Are they seeing a lot of junk? How are the load times? And so what What Firefox wants to do, what Mozilla wants to do, is they want to use a um, a, a privacy project that, that uh, allows them to collect data, but does it in a way that anonymizes, essentially, the data using something called differential privacy. So I believe the project is Rapport, R-A-Rapper, Rapper, R-A-P-P-O-R, I think it's spelled. Yeah, Rapper. Um, and it's something, it's a project that Google works on, and it uses it uses differential privacy, which sends bogus data and real data. And then it's just sort of supposed to all work out in the wash if you have enough users. And they would install this, and they would anonymize the reporting, and then you would, along with good reports, you would also be sending them completely crap stuff which is a weird approach. But the idea is that the average is more good, and then if you look at that data, you get something. But so the, 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 the theory behind it is they can't, even, they can't even use your habits to try to narrow down who you are. Now, initially, they're thinking about rolling this out as an opt-in to try it. But if they decide to implement it, it's going to be turned on by default. 
And that's the that's the part that's really getting people pissed off. Yeah, it's interesting that they're bringing this up so soon after the whole um, the privacy concerns with uh, the plugin stuff. Yeah, I thought the timing on this was kind of weird for, for like that was just a couple weeks ago, wasn't from, it? From like a so when you're down and out, and you know you're getting your ass kicked in the in you're just getting you know you're just getting kicked all over. I mean, it's bad, man. You're getting your ass kicked on the on the ratings. Uh, I mean, on the uh, um, usage numbers. Is that the time to launch a "Hey, we want to spy on you" campaign? I mean, I guess it depends on whether you consider it spying or not. I don't. Ww, what do you think? Differential privacy is kind of the new hotness. Uh, Apple says they're going to use it in future iOSs to to anonymize data reporting. Mozilla says they need the data. Uh, what do you think about yeah, this? This should be an optional thing. It should be popping up when you first set up Firefox and should be, hey, we want to do this, but we want your consent. And a thing that I don't see with a lot of tools is that they don't give you an option to control the data. So, like, what's the, like... You could, you can turn it off. You can turn it off. See, Yeah, but it should be up front. They they shouldn't be going, oh, we're turning this on by default, you know, just kind of like what does Tom... Uh, telemetry, you know, it's owned by default. Oh, this this patch adds it. It's like at what cost? I'm you know? I'm kind of on the opposite side of the fence with that though, because for usage analytics to be useful, you need a large amount, and most people are just probably going to click no. I think they're gonna. I think if they do this, they're going to bury the setting probably in like a privacy tab inside settings. I don't think they would give you a pop up because yeah, of that reason. Exactly. And I think that's why they because they say currently we can collect this data when the user opts in, but we don't have a way to collect unbiased data without explicit consent. And so the problem that they're seeing is they're getting biased data by people who are willing to opt in. Exactly. And so they've got to solve that particular problem. And they're trying to use differential privacy to justify monitoring everyone. And apparently the the, the project they're using that, uh, the Google or whatever, yeah, yeah. Is apparently it's the most widely distributed uh, use, usage of differential privacy. Yeah, yeah. It probably buried uh, would bury it in, uh, about config probably if they were to do or have See, that option though. I mean, I I don't really get the objection to truly anonymized usage statistics. Like I can understand if it's if you if you can be tied to it, but this seems like a pretty pretty full fledged implementation of we're trying to anonymize this as much as humanly possible. And you know it's yeah. data that Google and Apple are getting. Yeah. So and their competitors are getting it. Um, yeah. What about what you know? Years ago, I used to think about this. I don't think about it anymore. But doesn't collecting all of these metrics and having data collection points at every little end of the application slow down the application? Doesn't collecting this stuff in the background and uploading it constantly slow down the the the, the network? I mean. What the hell? I mean, I can't be a lot, but damn, I mean, I want this shit to be as fast as possible. It's just so frustrating. But that I know that's neither here nor there. Um, they say you, they. You, do you remember when Ubuntu had the Amazon scopes yeah, and people yeah. got up? It's kind of like that because yeah, yeah. with that, you had the option of totally turning it off and that's fine. Or maybe on one system I had it on to if I was looking at Amazon or buying something, See, you know. They, I, I can I can understand the. The objection to the Amazon scopes way more though because it was directly tying it to individual users and the initial implementation wasn't all that secure either. Yeah, that too. Uh, so that definitely led to it. But Minimac, you say it's sort of like equivalent to submitting uh, a crash report. 
Yeah, I think if I remember well, if you first start Firefox with a new profile, you get a little note at the bottom of the page which says decide what you share. And if you click on it, you see that the health and crash report is enabled by default and mm -hmm. you can disable it. So I guess they just add another option Great point. for yeah. your yeah. personal data or that, or another, collection. Or it might just be another line in that paragraph even. Yeah, and yeah, I, that, that to me is like way more, has way more potential to, tell what you're doing with your browser yeah. than this other stuff yeah, because yeah, yeah. you can get URLs and stuff in crash reports. So they're validating this right now or they're about to. They're about to. They're going to run an opt-out shield study, they say, to validate the implementation of this differential privacy project. The study will collect the value of users' homepage, uh, which is that, that tile page that they think is so important that's worth selling advertising on, the one that I spend exactly half a second looking at once a day. Um, so they're going to collect how much you guys click on those tiles, and they're going to uh, select a random group of the release population, and they hope to launch mid-September, which isn't that around the time? And then in November, you have 57. I, you got to wonder if like this isn't going to ship in 57, because they expect that one to get a lot of downloads, I'm sure. Yeah, maybe. 57 is the, not only is it going to, like the, the accumulation of all, a lot of their different projects, but it's also the new UI yeah, that's going to get all the attention. If it's not in 57, it'll almost definitely be in 58. Yeah. So they're going to launch their uh, test pilot soon. Speaking of privacy, uh, Plex really stepped in it over the weekend. And they've backpedaled a bit already since we've recorded this. But they announced that they were going to uh, launch a uh, data collection process that wouldn't really report on the files in your library, but would give them all kind of metrics and uh, you couldn't turn it off. So they're updating their privacy policy and they're retracting on some of that. But I got to tell you, uh, <laughs> I saw a lot of angry comments from the audience who said they're trying out MB after this. Uh, so check out some of our past episodes on MB if you're looking for an alternative. Honestly, I, to me, it seems kind of like the, the same situation because it, it wasn't about them yep, yep. Co collecting yep. uh, data on your files. It was collecting usage statistics again. Yep, yeah. Well, a lot of people are watching pirated content on Plex. And I and I feel like, uh, you know, a lot of people will probably go in there and turn that off specifically. Mm -hmm. So they're not getting the usage statistics that they want. So they've been pretty clear now after this release that they have no way of tracking which files you're playing unless you use a client that talks to a cloud service to initiate playback. So if you're using an Echo or a third-party app that uses the Plex cloud API to start mm -hmm. a file on your Plex server... In that case, they do have logs of which file you're starting. I like that they actually made that clear. Yeah. They said if you're just you know using like the Plex app on your phone or on the TV or on your web browser and you're watching the latest episode of Game of Thrones, they didn't say that. I'm putting that part in. Um, they don't know. They don't know what file you're watching. They just know you're watching content, mm -hmm. basically. I uh, don't know, man. I, I, I'm getting really... I feel like I'm getting privacy bankrupt. That's what it is. One, one, in one or two instances, I'm okay with this. Um, you know, I made this compromise when I put Echo Dots in the studio. Well, see, the problem is all of... But in the totality, I'm getting sick of it. All of these different developers, they need statistics on how their stuff is used to make their products better. Yeah. I don't... I guess all. I guess the first 30 years of making software where they didn't have always-on uh, internet-connected machines constantly sending back metrics, somehow they still managed to make good software? Uh, do you think software was good? Yeah, actually, in some ways, I think it was better than it is today because it didn't have so many damn inter interdependent connections. Uh, I guess I, I I agree. I understand this is a hard problem. You know, yeah. we 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 need to know what episodes are downloaded, although we don't track beyond the number. Yeah. Um. I, I 
I really hate to see Plex and, going down this path, and I hate them doing it ham-fisted. And the fact that they've had to make this big, huge public retraction is embarrassing for Plex. And, and honestly, I think in some ways, because we don't collect more information, we're, we're disadvantaging ourselves. But we do that consciously. Hmm. Yeah, it wouldn't be interesting if we had, if there was some way, and I don't know how you would have this, if there was some way we could know exactly how many new users use Linux versus how many computer experts use Linux. Or even like stuff like being able to track uh, what part of the, sh- the show people watch. Well, we yeah, could, you YouTube could tell our content. Yeah. Yeah, 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 but that's a limited subset it's, of audience. Yeah, it's, it's a very small subset, so it's, it's kind of... Un- I mean, you can draw some conclusions from it, but it'd be there's so much more data out there if you could get all of it. Yeah, yeah that's what... You uh, could tell our content to what people want without having to poll them for what they want. That's what big advertisers have been trying to get different podcast apps to, to start collecting data, which is a creepy, slippery slope to, in my world because, to me... There's other ways of sussing that out besides mm-hmm. getting playback locations. You know, you can tell by feedback from the audience what they respond to. Um, you can tell by, you know, all that. There's all kinds of well, ways to get that. But the problem with that is you're going to get that biased yeah, feedback. I guess. But really, I mean, built-in metrics to everything we use. It feels like I'm getting nickel and dime to death with my privacy. <laughs> I mean, you, do you, you really don't care that every app you almost use today, every, think about it, every app we pretty much use today is sending back usage data doesn't really bother me to be honest I, I mean as long as they're they're not using something to like try to track me down specifically i i don't care hmm. i draw the line at like health information or like uh stuff around my house i don't really like them collecting like when certain things turn on or off and yeah that kind of stuff feels like it's yeah, too far that that definitely is too far well that's that's where things are going though well i mean depends on what you you choose yeah. to support yeah Anyway, Mumble, many thoughts on uh, the Plex data collection, Firefox data collection, or the topic of data collection in general. I know it's got to be on some of your minds because just everything. You, are you guys feeling this like nickel and dimed privacy death here? I, the the thing is for me is like I understand that projects have to have some way to monetize and some way to get this information. They're going about it like a jealous boyfriend. Or someone that's like someone that's going to keylog you to see what you're doing is not the way to go about it. You can talk to people, have a, a discussion with people that use your software, and make it so they can actually use the hmm. software. Yeah. Um, like, right. I, I really want like companies, or like if I had my own company, I would make it so like users had an option to see what data we're using and when they want, delete it. I mean, it's you have to have some kind of level of respect for people that are giving up this privacy so, for these services. Okay, so that's a great point, WW. So let's let's take that the next step. Say, okay, they need this somehow, plus some of them can monetize it, so it's a way to fund future development. If we hold those things true, and for sake of argument, we accept that differential privacy is legitimate and that this project that Mozilla is using from Google is also legitimate – is that the right compromise then? Is the beard right? Like, okay, you can collect your data, but use differential privacy to fuzz it and um, still give me the option at the end of the day to turn it off. Is that, it's not, it's going to be on by default, but it's fuzzed and you can turn it off. And is that sort of a good enough compromise for you because it gives Firefox the data they need, it lets them make a better product, it lets them know where to focus development, but it is at least using differential privacy. It depends, like, how is this going? Like, the, the thing is, once you're on the slope, how slippery yep, does it get? that's how I'm feeling. Yep. Be- because, because 
you have to like okay we know like you me we kind anybody that's in mobile right now and watching like we're in techno like you're either a technologically advocate you're technologically inclined you work in tech we know that there's defcon there's someone out there like looking <laughs> for a weakness yeah. You just know that by default. So to us, we know the caveats of such things. But to the average user, they don't know. They're not going to know. They don't care. That's a lot of what I run into with right. people I know yep. or other people. So and default reigns supreme. See, oh I, yeah, I feel like, especially in the case of Firefox and this differential privacy project, both of these are open source. So people can go and see exactly what they're collecting. Yep. But, this is actually rare that not 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 probably super common but a, a thank god. Yeah. I mean really if you're really super worried about it there is an escape hatch here for you. Yeah. You're right. So and and it does look like it's a legitimate project. It does seem to be very popular and it does have a lot of contributors and Google is a main sponsor of it. Google obviously has skin in the game to create ways to to monitor people that uh doesn't get them in trouble. Yeah. It's probably how they watch students, especially with uh recent EU lawsuits. How much you want to bet this is what they use for Google Apps to say that they're not specifically tracking you, but they're still collecting metrics? Mm -hmm. It's probably why they They are so creepy. All right. Well, uh, let's take a moment uh, because I'm so excited. In fact, there's something that happened to me this week besides the solar eclipse. This might have been more. Boy, that's let's see. Seeing celestial objects line up in the sky in front of me and being the path of the shadow of heavenly bodies is a big event to happen to a person. But. Stage nine also happened to me this week, and I'm going to tell you about stage nine, which may have a more long-lasting impact on me, and more importantly, you. But first, let's talk about making yourself better before we kill all of your time. LinuxAcademy.com slash unplugged. Go there to support the show and sign up for a free seven-day trial. It's a platform to learn all about Linux. They've just expanded on some of their AWS stuff just recently, and um, I think for me... I I I would have killed for something like this because I really suffered from anxiety of I got to go to this client and I have got to go do this thing that we just our sales guy just told them I knew how to do and I've done it maybe once two years ago um, and that's where these hands on labs for me were just boy that'd be a game changer and now just giving me just the ability to experience it. Um, such a great feature. If they only did this, it, Linux Academy would be worth it. LinuxAcademy.com slash unplug. Of course, they have so many more features. You know, Chris, I, I'm going to take a different tack with this. Go for it. You, you took the whole nice business angle. Me, I'm, I'm going to say that you can become a Linux genius in your underwear. Well, that's definitely true. I mean, you think about it. What better way to become a genius on something and then, and then in your underwear? Exactly. you're not distracted by all those scratchy the best way clothes. To, the best way to learn is no pants. I, I completely agree. No pants and just the right temperature, the music you like going. I think it's a, maybe light a candle. I mean, I'm not going to judge you. They also have self-paced in-depth video courses in every Linux cloud and DevOps topic. They have instructor mentoring, you know, humans <laughs> that are available to help you. In fact, one of those humans is in, in Seattle right now. Uh, they have a course schedule that works with your busy schedule. They have flashcards that get forked by the community. They have cert training that goes right into courses for uh, like a path to get a certification. And uh, I really think that if if you want something that is sort of scratching that podcast itch, and that sort of audiobook itch, their content you can download and listen to offline is perfect for that. So let me be clear. You're telling me that I, I, I can uh, 
there's this humans doing this and yeah. not Elon Musk style AI. This is what they do. This is what they do. They're all about it. They're all about it. In fact, if you check out their Twitter feed, you'll see some of that. Linux Academy com. Uh, also, they were just uh, honored to be one of the uh, one of the uh, com- companies included on the uh, five thousand list of fastest growing companies. They, it, have you seen this at Inc five thousand? I just saw this on their Twitter feed. I pulled it up right here on the <laughs> show. Uh, Inc dot com. Linux Academy. Look at that number seventy eight on the wow uh, top one hundred. Yeah. That's amazing. Holy crap. Holy crap. Look at those. Boy, you should go there. You that, should go to That must be some pretty big growth to be on the top 100. Here's what I'm going to tell you to do. Uh, I, we should maybe we'll leave it as an exercise to the listener to go to Linux Academy's feed to a Twitter feed, linuxacademy.com and then look at this link, but give me one guess on what you think their 3 year, 3 year growth percentage was. Um 1045% more. Two thousand more percent, ten thousand. No, hold on, I'm not going to give it away. I'm not going to give it away. But the link is in their Twitter feed. If you'd like to know, LinuxAcademy.com/slash/unplugged. There's a reason why they've grown like crazy in the last three years. It's probably because they've been sponsoring us. <laughs> 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 the Jupiter Broadcasting Effect. LinuxAcademy.com/slash/unplugged. Get a free seven day trial and keep us on the air. Now, this is a self indulgent moment for me, but it is newsworthy. A version for Linux will be shipping today. A brand new version of Stage Nine. Now, what is Stage 9? <laughs> um, that sounds like a Microsoft video blog. Yeah, no, it does, doesn't <laughs> it? Uh, it is a project to recreate the entire set of the NCC-1701D Enterprise from the Star Trek The Next Genera- Generation. And it is using the Unreal Engine 4, which means it works on a lot of graphics systems. And if you have a good graphics system, it's unbelievably gorgeous if you're on windows it also has vr support the linux version ironically right now is uh, just being held up by packaging issues so remember how we were saying that uh, packaging isn't a big problem on linux yeah mm-hmm. it's yeah so this oh, they is, should ship it as an app image well i actually suggested a snap but yeah an app image would also be really yeah. great um they have um but they do have the last release for linux available right now which is still great still a lot of fun and if you're on the mac platform they also have a metal version if you want to see what metal's like i guess um <laughs> sorry i don't mean to laugh but you could you could do that too if you th- wanted to th- do that i think i might have an app to uh slip in in wimpy's pocket oh yeah yeah well that might that may or may not have already happened oh. me, yeah <laughs> that may have already been a thing so stage nine is available for linux you can download version seven very soon version 0.7 uh, right here i've got version.06 and uh, it's as cool as you would think even on my nvidia gtx 960 here this is uh, running on solus with the proprietary nvidia driver We'll start here. I'll show you the bridge a little bit if you're watching the video version. It looks great. And I actually have this on medium uh, camera settings. I can actually turn it up a little bit to high. Hey. Hey. Uh, there hey we Chris. go. Yeah, what? Uh, we are under attack. Oh, really? Do you, do, do you need me to trigger red alert? Yes. Uh, okay, stand by. There we go. We All right. There we go. Battle yeah. stations. We are now at battle stations. So this is pretty great. And like I was talking about, if you've got a good graphics card, it's a great way to really push your Linux rate. Because one of the things that is a little disappointing sometimes is some of the games can't really push the high-end video cards. This thing definitely can. And if I had VR set up on Windows, I would uh, I would definitely be giving this a go. Anyways, ch- stage nine. A, a nice way that they, they, they hit the loading screens, Chris, was... Uh through the, the turbo lift. Yeah, the turbo lifts yeah. are the loading screens. I, I actually, I would, I would call out a few things. So, so this shot is just a really simple hallway shot here. But uh, the lighting, and this is on a GTX 960 on medium graphics. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the last generation. 
Yeah. And but there's reflections on the on the metal wall panels that are gorgeous. Uh when you come into the main engineering here, there is uh, a little bit of a JJ Abrams lens flare effect from the warp drive. I don't know if this will come through in the download version, but it supports positional audio. So when I move around the engine room, the sound of the warp drive changes depending on where I'm standing, which is just the coolest thing. All of the panels that you saw used, everything's accurate. In fact, I've been walking around this ship by memory from the show. It is it is remarkably accurate. It is an incredible recreation. It's one of the coolest Star Trek things I've ever used, and it's on Linux. You know what, Chris? You say that? I got to say, I'm really disappointed. Oh, yeah? What's wrong? It's called Stage 9. Yeah. Where's Deep Space 9? Out right outside the window. Yeah, check this out. Let's go here. So let's see. We'll go to 10 forward. I'll take you to 10 forward. So it's a... So here's a here's the funny thing. I don't know about this version, but in the version seven, I watched it in their YouTube video. They have a shuttle bay. Hmm. Now, hello there. Hi, how are you? Are you having a good so, day? So, so are you saying that there there might be a possibility someday you can take the shuttle out? You can take the shuttle out, and you could probably one someday go to Deep Space Nine. Okay, I'm in. So if I go out the window here, I think. Oh no, I guess not. You can see Bajor, but just right there is Deep Space Nine. But you can only see the bottom of the docking because it's it's above the ship. Yeah. Because it's you know, all spatially correct, which is really cool. Enterprise is cool, but really we want to go and visit uh, Quirks. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> so they have, they have all the different levels on here too, which is just, again, if you're a geek, it's a lot of fun if you're a Star Trek geek. But even if you just want to push your Linux rig or play around with an Unreal-based engine game on Linux, there's a few of them now, obviously, but this one's a pretty special one. Lots of hidden stuff. All the cool sets, including the Arboretum, Data and Worf's Quarters, the... The data center of the Enterprise, which is a particularly great map on this, where it's almost wish I wish we could show it. You should, if you want to see it, check out the full live stream. If you're a patron, I walked through the uh, the data center of the Enterprise in the pre-show, and so, I'll be posting that for our patrons. Here's here's a critical feature question: Can you sit down like Riker? Yeah, you mean step over the chair? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they've added that yet. They should. There's there's a few things. They there's a, definitely a few nods and stuff like that that are in there. But yeah, so it's stage nine. And uh, I had a chance to chat with the, one of the developers on Discord this morning, and uh, before the show, and I was asking him, you know, so what's going on with the what's going on with the Linux packaging stuff? What's what's the hard time? And uh, oh, well, look at that. He so he just he just legitimately right now as we're recording. Uh, wow, four minutes ago, just posted the uh, the log. So if you might be able to help him get this off the ground, they have a they have a Discord server where the devs prefer to be reached, and that is linked on the Stage 9 page. And then he just posted, and I'll link to this in the show notes, uh, their, their build log issues. And uh, this is what's holding them up from getting the latest version on Linux. It looks like he keeps getting a lib curl issue. Yeah, I'll put a link to that. Uh, I'll put a link to that in the show notes, and maybe I'll send that along to some of our friends that work in packaging, because it'd be really cool to get this available uh, easily for Linux users. Because it's a pretty cutting edge thing, and when VR support comes, it's going to be one of the few really nice Unreal Four things that we can try out. I know that's not on everybody's priority list, but uh, something about me, some, the old Linux advocate in me, there's, I just, I don't want to see a slip behind on this kind of stuff. And it's so great to see just some fan project like this that doesn't have a ton of time trying to make it work on Linux. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate that. And you know, in big parts because of the Unreal Engine, but uh, it sure makes it look pretty. Stage 9, if you want to check it out directly, the website is stage-9.co.uk, and I'll have a link in the show notes, and uh, that's where you, uh, at their uh, Stage 9 websites where you can find their Discord channel. They also have a subreddit 
which, as you'd fig- which figures, stage nine on Reddit. Anyway, I thought that was kind of a, a neat thing. Are you, you, I know you're not a big Star Trek guy, but if I got, if I did manage to get the VR set up here, would you, uh, would you give it a go? Um, Does it have to have the walking component? Because I guess that's part of it, right? Well, I mean, you can use the, the controllers, the sticks, yeah. But I don't know. I really want. I want. I want DS9. Yeah. I. I. Boy, the 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 amount of work that it goes to creating this. These are uh, every detail down to the materials and you know just like everything like the stitching to the carpet is is accurate so i can well, imagine just, the just time Im- just imagine all the time that they had to go through and rewatch all those episodes and rebuild mm-hmm. these scenes and probably look at like concept art and all kinds of crazy stuff so i asked one of the developers they said so is this uh you know what's the license is this license you know kind of getting at it like if, if this is open source this is something that people could really kind of get around here and uh, the official answer is they're just distributing it as a binary, and there's no license, there's no implicit license they're attaching with that at this time. So I would imagine that's all rights Keeping reserved. Keeping their options open. Yeah, all rights reserved for the time being. Um, but uh, I just, there's not only is it just an impressive technology demo, because you download this thing on Linux, you run it, and now you're in this incredibly gorgeous 3D rendering, which is a lot of fun to try out on your on your graphics, different graphics cards, and seeing how they perform, which for me is just a fun benchmark, and seeing how hot they get and all that kind of stuff. But then to see such an accurate recreation of something that I'm such a big fan of, it was pretty impressive. And um, it's been, you know, there's been times, there has been times, where as a Linux user, I was left out. Mm-hmm. So it was really great that they... And these, by the way, screenshots that uh, I'm showing, if you're watching the video version, are in-game renderings yeah, oh, they even, they have the battle bridge speaking of uh, star trek and times you were left out uh how, how's still going oh <laughs> so they've moved to direct DirectX 11 only and wine is at a, at a good clip but wine is still fully implementing DirectX 11 support so yeah i've had to take a break that might explain my uh my 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 passion you're jonesing this. yeah because <laughs> i've been i've been lacking any star trek gameplay on linux for a while if anybody else out there has uh, Star Trek games that they've played under Wine, let me know at Chris LAS. Because I'll definitely kill time while the Wine project gets... So I know they'll get there eventually. Yeah. They'll get there eventually. Hey, uh, so want a little more Beardsley? Want a little more of the Rekai here? Uh, check out User Air. He's uh, on User Air every damn week, and we got a new episode coming out in a few days. And my old buddy John, who hasn't been on for a while, joins us and shares some pretty funny stories. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was a great episode. We also talked about Linux extremism. Um, yeah. <laughs> also, just just a warning: this episode is probably a little bit more not safe for work than most, which is really saying something, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe a lot more. <laughs> well, it depends. It depends. It depends. I guess it depends on what you're into. Yeah. So, did you uh, did you have anything you wanted to plug before we run out of here? Uh, you can just find me on Twitter at uh, RakaiLP or uh, over at Rec.net. Rec.net or my uh, yeah. For my Twitch. I got to come up with a good name for the vlog because I'm going to be posting our, our Eclipse story. There was some there's some interesting challenges on our way down to the Eclipse. And I'm going to post all that on my vlog, which is youtube.com slash Chris Fisher. You but know what, Chris? It needs a good name. Chris, I, I can offer you a, a free subdomain, hair.rec.net. Come forward to your YouTube. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I guess one more thing I'll plug just because it's been pretty popular uh, the last few days and um, it just seems to be growing more and more is our Discord. Mm-hmm. Discord.me slash Jupiter Colony. There's a lot of people on there, and it's uh, generally a pretty nice place. Yeah. And if Telegram is more of your flavor, well, guess what? We got one of those, too. Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash Telegram and join in the group conversation over there. I try to pop in all over the place, in and out, but the conversation's always going on, even when I'm not in there. You can also find Beardsley in there from time to time. There's just all kinds of ways to get you. 
Yep. It's pretty good. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for tuning in this week's episode. Hopefully, Mr. West's car troubles are all fixed. we got to get him a Linux running car. Yeah. You know? Something Linux powers so it doesn't break down on him. Because I'm sure that would solve all of his problems. And for people looking for a tech snap uh, after they finish watching LUP. Oh, that's uh, coming. Yeah. It's just going to be a little bit. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. All right. We'll see you right back here next week. jbtitles.com let's go pick our title mumble room we were small in number but you guys did great mr fax i never got it or or robo uh, we have robo the arms back too robo arm robot arm whatever <laughs> I, I never get it right but it's good to see you guys thank you for making it too this week appreciates it um and now let's go pick our title what do you think one more job before we get out of here gentlemen before we ride off into the sunset should we go pick our title over at jbtitles.com well beards i was glad you're able to make it Kind of a lower key show. It felt like overall. It's a, it's a lot easier for me to make it. Yeah, that's true. Well, you have less car troubles. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it felt like it felt like a lower key show, but still good, right? It still felt good, didn't you mm-hmm. think? Was it right? Well, yeah. yeah. Any 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 uh, any notes as they say chat room on today's episode or mumble room? Feel free to submit them to us before we get out of here. But I thought it was a good episode, just a little low key. I think uh, as with every week, uh, many people are going to hate me. And oh, some you people think? are going to love me. Jeez, I've, I'm mostly hear all good things. People like hearing, people call you, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, what do they say? The man of the people. The pragmatist? Yeah, the man of the people. <laughs> I, I just think it's like people, like I grew up with the net, like when it was really starting to penetrate into the public. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so my opinions are different than Rikai's, but I love hearing Rikai's and talking to him about it. That's what I love is that I can respect him and talk about him and get more information or get links and just process yeah. it more. And yeah. Sometimes you have to just disagree and move on. Or... Yeah, I agree. Yeah, exactly. We need a lot more of that. We need a lot more of that. How, how, how young does he think I am that he doesn't think I was around when the internet was new, too? <laughs> I, I mean, well, thank I you. Know. I'm like five years older than Chris. So <laughs> Fair enough. Uh So what about – so privacy bankruptcy by Token Ring is good. It's, it's, uh, it's in competition with, with Wind Clouds Cry, which is also good. Um, we could also jazz it up and we could say Mozilla's privacy bankruptcy. Hmm. No? Okay. Too jazzed? Firefox? I don't like privacy bankruptcy myself. Wow. Of course, I was also taking the opposite opinion. JBTitles.com, <laughs> JBTitles.com. When clouds cry? It rains? What, what's, that- what's that in, in reference to? Specifically, I would imagine Mozilla not have enough data, or maybe the backups. I, I think more of the backups. Hmm. So I guess in multi, it sort of covers both, which is kind of good. That always yeah. kind of you know I'm gonna I'm gonna toss a boat in for one clouds cry. I'm gonna give it a boat. I'm gonna give it a, now. We're I also kind of like forks done right. Forks done right is good too. WW coming with it. Oh, man.
<laughs> All right. So we got to do some consolidated voting because we got a bunch of really good contenders here at the top. So uh, everybody head over. Do me a solids. Oh, how about how to measure off Fox? <laughs> <laughs> When Clouds Cry, currently leading, JB Titles, JB Titles. So now that I'm back on Solus, I have I have the actual Spotify desktop client installed again for like the first time in a while. Because that shit definitely broke an gross months ago. So yeah, someone earlier was having trouble with tap to click or something in, in me. The problem. What's that? The tap to click is always a problem. Mm. So, Forks Done Right and When Clouds Cry are tied now. Forks Done Right was probably the most energetic time of the show. Tell you what, Chris, how to measure a fox is climbing up there. Jeez. <laughs> That's, I like the way it looks on the screen. Yeah. JBTitles.com. So, we got to break out. We got to break out. Oh, God, you guys. Are you guys Are you guys screwing with me? Is that what's happening right now? Because we have, we have a tie. Ah! This is, uh... Uh, I've never installed GNU slash Linux. Works done right, pulling ahead with one boat right now. We need, like, a timer. Alexa, set a 30-second timer. 30 Cancel. seconds. No, just she's too stupid. She's too we stupid. We need the 24 um, sound effect <laughs> for the time counting down. What did she set the timer for? What? This is too stupid timer. What? I presume for 30 seconds. <laughs> so she wanted a name for the timer? Is that what she meant? No, she wanted the time, but then afterwards we named it too, too stupid. I, I, the thing with the echo is if you don't nail that syntax, it just don't work. That's so dumb. Anyways, Forks Done Right's pulling way ahead now with 12. I kind of like it too. Oh, there's, it's done. There's oh, your timer. Just too stupid, stupid timer. That's good, dude. Stupid timer is stupid done. Timer. All right, good job, everybody. We're gonna go with forks done right. Close. Why is she still talking? Apparently, she was letting you know again. Okay, Alexa. I feel like she's harassing us. Alexa, uh, remove timer. God damn it! It's broken. Alexa. Alexa, stop. He's not answering me. <laughs>